we feel our worth through the presence of another person. Adam felt his full worth through the presence of woman, of Eve. Welcome to the Be Filled Podcast. Together we will explore the deepest desires of the human heart and how our Creator wants to fulfill your every longing. Join us as we explore the beautiful teaching of St. Pope John Paul II on the theology of the body. We are so excited you're here on the journey with us. Open your heart to be filled. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Be Filled podcast, where we are studying St. Pope John Paul II's teaching on the theology of the body. My name is Rochelle Parker, and I'm here today with two of my friends. Um, Katie Davis and Patty Strauss are here with me today. Unfortunately, um, sister is tied up at school, um, so we are going to miss her a lot today in our conversation. Um, But I thought it might be nice today to start out by just checking in with you ladies about how the reading experience is going for you so far. So I'd just like to open it up to you guys. You know, this is really the first time that I've sat down with the actual text and to go through reading from the very beginning, to go through session by session. I've had a lot of experience with theology of the body and learned in different classroom situations. So I did want to encourage everyone to, to grab the book and to start reading through it step by step because of the way that John Paul II builds upon and peels the layers of the onion back. And I am delighted to say that it's it's something that I, I can really resonate with and it really strikes a chord within me and I can get into some deep meditations on my own personal life and experience. And that's what's so special about John Paul is that he really wants us to consider what's in the scriptures and see how we know it for ourselves. And just want to encourage you guys to open the book. It's been a delightful experience. I agree. And I think that when we were doing like our definitions of theology of the body, we talked, I think all of us mentioned the lens that we look at the world in when we have theology of the body in the background. And I feel like the glasses will not come off now because I mean, when you're reading the text on a regular basis and um, it's just really caused me to reflect on it. This is the second time I've read the text and I've really started to, not only just see it in more situations every day because I'm a little more familiar with it, but also like really reflect on, you know, where it's showing up in my life and then really some maybe painful and not so great things have come up too of just like the text poking at maybe some past decisions I made that weren't in line with the beauty that's being discussed. And I I mean, I know we'll get into it more, but um, it just really is that that onion where you can keep peeling back layer by layer. And I would say it's almost more um, enthralling to me the second time around because it's not new and it, it really is um, opening up more doors for me. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I completely relate to what you guys were saying. And um, so this is my third time to read it. The first time I did it on my own um, and I read it 
very slowly. I mean, I don't even know how long it took me. It took a long time, like probably a couple of years, I think, Um, because I read it kind of like a devotional, which really, truly, I think that is the ideal way to read it. Um, Just very prayerfully and slowly and just like, Lord, what do you want to show me? Um, And that was super powerful. Um, And also along with the commentary from Christopher West, which is also very beautiful and super helpful. Um, and then I read it a second time with Katie and sister, um, and we discussed it together. And that also was an amazing experience. And we pushed it. I mean, we did it in a year, which it was a lot. To it's read. fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really fast. Um, I remember telling um, Father Patrick, our dear Father Patrick, that we were doing it in a year and he laughed out loud. Like he thought that was hilarious. He's like, can you can't why. do that. <laughs> <laughs> we did it, though. And we had a nice <laughs> breakfast together to celebrate. It was awesome. Right. Um, But so this time, like, it is amazing. And it's just like scripture, how God speaks to you in different ways. Every time you you can read the same passage multiple times and different things will come to you. And that is exactly the experience that I've been having this time. I've just been blown away um, again by the depths of what God is trying to tell me. Um, And it's just it's so amazing. So I hope that um, anyone who's listening, I know it can be really intimidating. And again, you don't have to read the text to um, listen to the podcast, but just don't be afraid. I really like the pace that we're going at, actually. I think it's um, going really well. Um, So Hopefully, um, if you are open to it, you can grab that book, like Patty said, and and, uh, read along with us. Or maybe just listening will get you excited about it um, and to open up a book. Um, But I want to get to what we're talking about today. Um, Last episode, we looked at general audiences five through seven on the meaning of original solitude, which is the first of three original experiences that John Paul II is going to analyze um, these experiences happened before the fall, before sin entered into the world. Um, this episode, we're going to continue with general audiences eight through 10, um, and it's on the meaning of original unity. And I have something kind of funny. Katie, you were saying that once you have these glasses on, you see it everywhere. And that is so true. I was listening to the radio yesterday and that Chicago song, Along Comes a Woman, came on. (laughs) Do you guys know my love for 80s music anyway, right? Especially love songs. Um, Yeah. So I kind of want to title this episode, Along Comes a Woman. (laughs) But I am afraid we'll get in trouble, like copyright infringement. So we won't do that. Don't sing it. I had to... (laughs) I'm not going to sing it, but you guys know. You guys can all look look it up. Um, But I had to get it in there somewhere because I was like, what? Along comes a woman. That is very much what is happening in this passage that John Paul II um, is breaking open for us. So I want to actually just read the passage um, for us. And it is from Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Okay, so it's amazing because there's four verses here. And John Paul II is able to pull out so much beauty and meaning that he's going to continue to build on. I just now, as I was reading this, realized that there is this connection between the process of Adam, you know, naming the animals, trying to find that suitable helper. It says that God brought the woman to the man, right? And that's what it says in scripture. He brought the animals to to Adam. I just oh, now realized right. that. It's kind of amazing, beautiful. Um, okay, so from this passage, we're going to see two different meanings of original unity, which we will talk about. And again, like I said, in this short passage, he's going to deeply contemplate several things that we're going to talk about together. He's going to look at that meaning of Adam's sleep um, the and the meaning of the rib from which woman was made. Um, he introduces the idea of communion of persons, which he'll come back to over and over. That's a huge piece of theology of the body. Um, he breaks down the rich meaning of Adam's response when he sees Eve for the first time. Um, and then finally, he shares beautifully about what's happening on a deeper level when man and woman become one flesh. So there's a lot here. I say that every single time, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> but there is so much for us to meditate on. Um, so we're going to start out with looking at the sleep and the meaning of the rib. Um, and I'm going to start out talking about sleep. This really stuck out to me this time. Um, it led me to a really deep reflection on sleep and seeing sleep as a surrender. This is what came to me as I was reading it. Um, you know, last episode, we talked about how um, Adam went through that process of discovery, discovering that he's unlike all the other creatures God has made, and he was unable to find that suitable helper. And this all sets up the stage, I guess, for God to then um, create the woman. But I was trying to um, put myself in Adam's shoes. He didn't have shoes. Um, but <laughs> that's joke number one of this podcast. Um, he, I was trying to imagine, right? Like, how is he feeling when he gets to this point where he's he can't find a helper, right? He's longing for someone Right. And he's realizing there's no one here. There's not another person for me and realize he can't do anything about it. Like he does not have that power to create. And so he comes to that place of powerlessness. And so he must have been just so aware of his limitations um, and his complete dependence on God. And Adam sees or God sees Adam's heart. Um, and his readiness to surrender this search for a helper over to him. So Adam gives up. He surrenders and he goes to sleep and God works. And it reminded me of how I often will say to my children, they, they have a tendency to get worked up about things at night, right before bed when I'm tucking them in, like everything in the world that they could be anxious about. I saw half of the world's problems yeah. in the 30 minutes before bedtime. Oh, well, you're yes. better than me because I don't try to solve it. <laughs> well, with an eight-year-old, you can still pretty much be the hero. <laughs> oh. Well, what I say to them is you need to sleep. 
Mm. Right? Like you need to rest and things will look better in the morning. So that's kind of what this reminded me of is that sleep is kind of a form of surrender, right? Like there's so much hope that comes in the morning when you wake up to a new day. But then I started reflecting on sleep and how vulnerable sleep is. There is a letting go um, when you sleep. And obviously there's biological reasons why we sleep. Like literally you would die if you did not sleep like for an extended period of time. But I think there's a deep spiritual reasons for that too. Um, And John Paul II kind of talks about this and he says that God immersed Adam in this state in preparation for the new creative act. There were some beautiful footnotes to this passage. um, And it talked about how the sleep that God let man fall into underlines the exclusiveness of God's action in the creation of the woman. The man had no conscious part in it. And it just made me think about the times that God has done the best work in my life are the times I quit trying to help him. (laughs) And so, you you know, when I surrender my will and life over to his care, he's able to do beautiful things. I also reflected on that he fell asleep with a desire for a being similar to himself. Um, And there's this quote where it says, man falls into the sleep with the desire of finding a being similar to himself. The circle of the human person's solitude is broken because the first man reawakens from his sleep as male and female. And I started thinking about what happens when we go to sleep with our desires open before God, trusting he'll work, right? Um, We don't have to literally go to sleep, but we have to have that kind of that posture of just placing everything before him, all of our desires, um, and then wait, for him to work, which is very scary. <laughs> and really, again, that vulnerability, I think, um, is a big part of it too. But he's not going to do his work without me laying down and waiting. And waiting is the hardest part, which is also an 80s song. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> I'm not going to sing. <laughs> anyway, it's so scary. And it could feel like death when you have to lay down like that because we want to control. I want to control. But we come to that place where we have to give up and and let them have us. So I'm going to stop talking now and let you guys mm-hmm. go on with. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the sleep and also about the rib, which um, I'm going to pass on to you guys to talk about that. But um, yeah, I was really blown away by what what he put on my heart. Yeah, I mean, as someone who loves to sleep, <laughs> I can't relate to, you know, all of the sadness and everything that comes with it, but I certainly um, understand um, that surrender part, I think is what I connected with the most um, when I was also reflecting on the torpor um, or the sleep and the the footnotes you're right were so rich in in what they were bringing and and really putting yourself into the um the place that Adam was in and one of the footnotes even said that it could be compared to the garden of gethsemane where the apostles fell asleep and i always kind of was angry at the apostles like can't you stay up and support him please Mm -hmm. um but it said that they were sleeping from sadness 
and comparing that to Adam, who was also fell asleep in that sadness and that loneliness. I mean, that's where my reflection went to is just, wow, how much, how many times, you know, do we go to sleep? And that is when the weight of the world falls on our shoulders and we fall asleep in that sadness. And Rochelle, I love what you said about waking up with the new day in front of us. And even the text described it as, um, or I think it was a footnote that described it as a state of ecstasy that Adam was in. Like imagine the difference from when he was sleeping from sadness and then woke up in a state of ecstasy. And I think the main message is exactly what you touched on. Adam did nothing to make that change. Right. How freeing is that for us to just say, oh, I don't have to do anything. I just have to surrender and just sit in that. I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Patty? Oh, I, I appreciate the depth of your reflections. And I um, also really considered the, the surrender aspect of it and how it was really no choice of Adam. He had to submit But there was also another part in the reflection um, about Adam being in a dream state. And I was speaking with my husband and we were just kind of chuckling because Adam would have been looking around and seeing that male and female, the the different types of animals, you know, and he might have considered, you know, I am alone. I'm in solitude and going asleep, as Rochelle said, with a hope. And not knowing what would happen when you fell asleep, but then waking up and finding out there was another and to have his dreams come true. And we just, we just really smiled because, you know, all of what you said, there's the depth, but there's also that, the depth of the joy when he woke up and his dream came true. And so it's a lighter version, I think, of what you guys were saying, but it's, it's so valid. Yeah, I love that so much that yeah the pure joy i remember when i was a kid there was a really i cannot remember his name i feel so bad but it was a really well-known youth minister who spoke around and he would talk about when god brought eve to adam his response was whoa man (laughs) (laughs) joke number two which was not planned at all i'm on a roll like anyways Um, Okay. (laughs) So, and then, and he also talks about um, just really briefly the rib and the meaning of that, um, which is important because it actually brings us to kind of that first meaning of original unity is that we come from as I think it was a Christopher West commentary, I said, we come from the same stuff, basically, our common humanity. And there was one footnote that I thought was really cool on the word bones. Um, for the Hebrews, this actually meant the inner being or the soul. And so you could almost think of it as like, um, instead of uh, bone of my bones, it's being from being, which I thought was really, really beautiful. And he's going to come back to this idea again. I think we see it again in like original nakedness and the gift of self. And also when he gets to the song of songs, he talks about that a lot. Just the idea that we are brother and sister first in our humanity. So we will definitely be coming back to that. The next section is about 
the communion of persons. Um, and then more on Adam's response to Eve when he says this at last is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. So Pope John Paul II says about this concept of communion of persons, that it constitutes perhaps the deepest theological aspect of everything one can say about man. That is quite a statement. Um, actually. So I know, Katie, you especially had a lot of reflections on this passage. So would you like to start? Yeah, I think it was just a beautiful part because it kind of sums up back to the definition of theology of the body, like who we are, why we're here. Um, And I just had a really beautiful moment and um, I think it all comes back to that quote on page 163, which is like 10-3, audience 10-3. It was, um, it says at the bottom, man becomes an image of God, not so much in the moment of solitude as in the moment of communion. And I just really thought back to that image. I think I described it in one of the earlier episodes, but maybe we can actually post the image this time. Um, But it's about that, you know, when we form a relationship with another person, we are imaging God because God is a communion of persons in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that love between God the Father and the Son is so powerful in that gift exchange of love back and forth that it created a third person called the Holy Spirit, just as man and woman can have a gift exchange and it be so powerful that it creates a third person. And so when we hear that man becomes an image of God, not so much in the moment of solitude as in the moment of communion, it's really just something to ponder. And we were leading up to the Christmas season, we were rehearsing all of these very familiar Christmas songs. And my daughter was in a choir for one of the shows at church, and she discovered she was only one of three in the choir. And so she like really needed to know every word of the songs. And so we had the YouTube versions of the songs up where you can kind of see every word as it comes across the screen. So she could be sure she was saying the correct words. And we were listening to Oh Holy Night. And for some reason, as she is singing and as the words are going across the screen for Oh Holy Night, the words just pierced my heart. And it reminded me of this exact part of theology of the body, but the words are, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Mm -hmm. And tears just started streaming down my face. And I thought, oh, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, we feel our worth through the presence of another person. Adam felt his full worth through the presence of woman, of Eve. That was the way that we are shown how to feel our worth. And, you know, talk about wearing those TOB goggles. I mean, you can't unsee it once you see it. And it was so funny because God literally wooed me with that song for the rest of the Christmas season. I mean, everywhere I went, 
every time I turned on the radio, it was Oh Holy Night. And I'm like, really, Jesus, you're going to make me cry every time I get in the car or every time I go to church? Because they play that song a lot, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) And so I decide to share it with my spiritual director and I kind of am, you know, unpacking the whole thing. And we just have this beautiful reflection I literally get home and open my mail. There's one Christmas card and it just says, Oh, Holy Night on the front. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it just continues to woo me. Oh, so <laughs> it was just such a beautiful thing to kind of take me through, through that season. Mm-hmm. That was so beautiful. That's so powerful. I really, really treasure that image that you, that you shared with us. I think um, that we, we had a class on Monday with a, with a co-op and we have some young teenagers in there and we were reflecting on theology of the body as well. And it was the Trinity. And we were talking about how, why did God come? Why did he share with us? He's a Trinity. And so in a very simple way, but very profound, um, he expressed that God isn't one because to love, it takes a lover and a beloved. And as you said, the love between is another person. And so talking that over with the young teenagers and seeing how they were capturing that, it took it to another level for me so that even in this, I can hear more of your story and to reflect how our Lord is reaching out to us with these layers of understanding so that the that our Lord has to be a Trinity to show what love really is Mm -hmm. and that he is imitating, giving us that in a response in our love of each other in his image and likeness. So that when you said that I, I consider when my children or my husband, when they look at me with those warm, loving eyes and their embrace, and I recognize this is what our Lord wants with us. It's so, so profound. Yeah, it is incredibly beautiful. And for sure, we could sit with it a long time. And thankfully, he does continue to build on this idea, this truth um, of communion of persons. Um, And wow, Katie, I was so moved by what you just shared about how um, the man really comes to know himself through the woman when he sees the woman. And um, there there was actually a really beautiful quote um, from John Paul II that said, femininity in some way finds itself before masculinity while masculinity confirms itself through femininity. And that just led me to think how much we need each other to know ourselves fully, which I yes. think is what you were saying. And and when we reject one another, we're really rejecting ourselves. Um, and so I just think that's something that we could all really sit with in a place of healing. Um, this is one of those places where I became very aware of where I've been wounded and I've wounded others in relationships. And that's something you might notice. I think Katie referred to this too, when you are reading or as you're listening, you're going to be moved by the beauty of this vision of what it means to be human and the kind of relationships we're called to. But you might also um, recall maybe places where you've been hurt um, because we do live in a broken world. And, um, you know, some of us have been hurt 
by the opposite sex or of course women can hurt other women and men can hurt other men too. But, um, you know, we have experienced relationships that were selfish or where we weren't loved well, or we didn't love others well. Um, and I certainly fall short still in my life. Um, but my hope is that, um, as you hear this, you'll recognize this is where God wants to heal you. This is exactly where he wants to come into your life. Um, and he wants to free you from old wounds and open you up to the possibility of loving and being loved. Um, so just know that if you're feeling those things come up, that's really, that's the Lord still working in your life and on your heart. And we are absolutely praying for you. Um, and I encourage you, if you do find yourself struggling, like reach out to somebody, you know, obviously bring it to prayer, but also try to find another person that you can talk to about it. Um, if you feel overwhelmed, um, you're welcome to email us. I'd go to coffee with you <laughs> if you want to, um, but don't try to walk alone because we're not made to walk alone. We have to walk together. And, um, and the devil wants you to to walk alone. Absolutely. And that will be his number one um, tool that he uses to convince you um, to turn away from the Lord is right. this is too much. No one else can handle this information. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. And that's how you know that that is not from the Lord and that you should be even more motivated. Right. I know I am. When I start talking myself out of it, I know, ooh, I better really make it happen. Right. Or, you know, he may want you to think that um, you're too broken or like this this vision isn't for you. Right. <laughs> but I just want you to know it is for you. Um, so don't be afraid and just open yourself. It's an opportunity to go deeper um, in intimacy with the Lord. So, um Okay, so we have one more section to go through, um, and it's on the unity of becoming one flesh, which this is the second meaning of original unity. John Paul II says that it is without doubt the unity expressed and realized in the conjugal act, in the one flesh union between man and woman. Um, so Patty, I know you especially had some big reflections on this that, um, you wanted to share. So I'd love for you to start us off. Thank you. Um, when I first heard about theology, of the body, it was through my husband and I teach, I think we've mentioned before, we teach natural family planning for an organization called couple to couple league. And when we first started to teach 20 some odd years ago, there was a language that was used in our teaching notes and it would use, it's all truth, but it would say this is a serious mortal sin or, you know, using the language of how we could use another person or how we could love another person. But the language was quite different. Then um, Couple to Couple League introduced Theology of the Body. And I didn't realize till I read section 10 um, what I was experiencing and what I was hearing at this depth. Um, in section 10, um, Pope John Paul talks about original virginal value. And so, which is by definition, the original integrity of body and soul. But so in the early, so in the beginning, before the fall of Adam and Eve, there was an original virginal value that we are called to be 
um, you like the blessed mother is in an integrity, body and soul, the perfect union. There's no original sin and she's full of grace. And so as John Paul tells us, we have to go back to the beginning to reflect on who we are. And so what we were discovering in um, the language of theology, the body and what couples were able to discover in this language that was new to teaching natural family planning is that there's more than just spacing and limiting children when when we come together to learn natural family planning. How do we listen to what our body is telling us when we're fertile, when we're not fertile? That there's a way of using our vision of seeing each other. And um, so that the movies, the books of today show couples coming together and they're not married. There's not this fullness of expression of knowing each other. So by this language, we understand that what our Lord wants for us with the communion of persons, with the imitation of the Trinity, is this more than just um, a body coming together, but the integrity, the, the fullness of the body and the soul. Again, think of the Blessed Mother. She is full of grace. We think about how was man created before the fall. The way that Adam and Eve would have looked at each other when um, Eve was created at that moment, there was there was an understanding of the fullness of the person. So when we were teaching natural family planning with this new language, couples would receive this understanding, not fully. Couple to couple league would say, teach this and virtue will follow because what couples would find out is that they would come together in the beginning of their marriage and they would want to love each other. They would learn then that it's the gift of themselves that brought them even to a deeper understanding of knowing themselves and knowing the other. And this would bring a different conversation to each other and this this fullness so that my husband and I have been married 34 years and we were going over this and we were like, we love each other more now because of this this idea of the original virginal value that we're not just coming together as two bodies, there's also a statement that has been taught to us that every time a married couple comes together in their marital embrace, it's actually a renewing of the marriage covenant. So you think about that marriage covenant where two come together to form one flesh. The man is the lover, the woman is the beloved, the love between them nine months later can be named as a child often. So just the sense of when we look at each other with love, this communion of persons, there is this profound um, experience that we have and the movies and the books don't show it. But I think it's important that we take a moment to intentionally look at what our Lord is showing us because we have that with our families. We have that with all of our friends and we have that in, in our relationship with each other. So I just wanted to point out that that is a very profound thing to sit with. Mm-hmm. And as a student of Patty's, I can attest to how different it made uh, Brent and I's outlook on on marriage and and everything and the fruitfulness of marriage and everything that goes along with it. Because you're exactly right, Patty. I mean, the world is giving you a message that you need to take control. You need to be responsible. You need to make sure that everything is planned out perfectly. And, um, 
and really that it's your responsibility. And when, you know, we come into uh, your class and see not only um, the teachings of, of NFP, but really just your and John's example of it, of it lived out. And you can literally see like, this is a really happy married couple. Like you could just see the joy that was flowing out of it. And um, it really made us aspire to that, to want to love each other that way. And that kind of love, that giving and receiving, we now talk about it a lot during our marriage prep, it has to be a free gift. I cannot tell you how many times we just sit there and say like, don't keep score. Whatever you do in your marriage, do not keep score. The more you can freely give to your spouse, the more they will freely give back to you, not out of obligation, not because it's the right thing to do, but because their love is overflowing for you. And that's what we're trying to get at. And that's what this beautiful teaching is trying to get at. Yeah, incredibly beautiful. Um, And now I... I'm wondering if I can sign up for a class <laughs> with you guys. Is it too late? It's never no, too late. It's never too late. <laughs> I'm like really feeling a little uh, jealousy here. I've never sat in Patty's class or Katie's class. It's either. really fun. You can come to both. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yay. Keeps teaching us. <laughs> oh, wow. That was really beautiful and amazing. Okay. So if you're listening and you're like, Ooh, I'm a little overwhelmed right now. It's <laughs> okay. No, yeah. <laughs> don't be sorry. Um, it's so good and so beautiful. But just know, again, as we keep saying, we're going to keep coming back to these themes. He just, John Paul II is able to just build on each audience. And so it will become more and more clear. Um, and so we'll just continue to share what the Lord is teaching us. And um, we're so happy that you have chosen freely I hope, um, to listen to our podcast. And um, I hope that you really are enjoying it. And again, we are praying for you. That's really all the time we have this episode. Um, next episode, we're going to be covering audiences 11 through 13, 1 on original nakedness. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. It really is actually very beautiful and amazing. So um, thank you so much for listening. And until next episode, God bless. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. We can be reached by email at befilledpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram. There you can find additional encouragement in between episodes. Also, be sure to check out our show description for links to resources we discuss in the show, as well as questions for deeper reflection. Until the next episode, God bless.